Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Friends, I am back with another bonus episode. This is actually going to be the last bonus episode of season four. And then guess what? I will be coming back with brand new Bok Talks for you. So I know a lot of you have been waiting patiently. I hope these bonus episodes have helped you with that wait. And very soon we will be back with season five. And I'm super excited about it. So this last bonus episode is going to be filled with some of the best questions that you guys have asked live on the live recording of this podcast. You will notice at a certain point I'm talking about the, you know, I'm talking about molting and I'm talking about my flock as if it's during the winter. And that is because when these questions and answers were recorded, it was during the winter time. So I just want to give you a little bit of context so you don't get confused about that. But it's some really good information you're going to get. And remember, this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken and Small Pet Select. So definitely check out those links. They are in the show notes. Get all your chicken needs met through those links. All right. Without further ado, here is the bonus episode. So I have a question here from Jenny's Silkies. She says, can they have strawberries? You bet they can. And you know, (laughs) one thing I give them every year because we have like a strawberry patch gone wild (laughs) in our yard. I have this one like huge raised bed. And when I had my second child, I just could not keep that garden up any longer and it overgrew and it's just all strawberries now. So yes, they can have strawberries. I, I, when I cut them up, I cut the tops off and then I throw the tops out to them. Now, of course you, everything in balance, you don't want to give them just like only strawberries to eat, but as a treat, I think that's uh, definitely something that is good for them. Jenna Brom says, and I hope I'm saying your last name, right? What do you do to protect your chickens from rodents? Jenna, the first thing I do is make sure that there's not a reason for rodents to come around and set up camp and have a family. (laughs) Because um, as with anything, you know, rodents, insects, parasites, all those things are everywhere. Rodents are literally everywhere. It's not like, you know, oh, I don't have any I don't have any rats around here. I live next to the woods. There are rats around here. Um, But the one thing that you don't want is an infestation. So 
the way to avoid that is to make sure that you are not leaving food or scraps out overnight. If you have compost that is in your chicken run, you're going to want to uh, try, especially if you live in the city. If you live out in the country, it's it, it, there are ways to uh, uh, to make that easier for you. But in the city, you really have to be careful. And I live on a small lot, so I have to be really super careful. Hardwire mesh is your friend because that's something that rodents usually cannot get through. Chicken wire, they can absolutely get through. So if you have something like a compost pile in your chicken yard, you are going to want to be enclosing that in something that is made of a material that rodents can't get into. And other than that, just make sure they clean up their food. Like I, I feed my chickens once a day in the morning. And they are usually done with it by the afternoon time. And then I'll give them a snack at night. If it's cold at night, I'll give them a snack before they go to bed. But I don't free feed them because I don't want there to be food out. Now, if you have a rodent proof feeder, then you can free feed them and, you know, you can feel good about that. But you just want to make sure that there's not a way for them to get into the chicken feed. And even water, you don't want to leave sitting around either because they'll come at night for water too. All right. I hope that helps at least a little bit. Aqua blue, I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Are there fruits that chickens can't eat or shouldn't eat? So this is, this is one that I talk about <laughs> a little bit because I have a pet peeve about how demonized avocado has been. You know, my family is Guatemalan. That's my heritage. So basically, avocado is like life to us. <laughs> um, that being said, they can't eat the skin or the pit of the avocado. I don't know what fool chicken is going to try and eat that. Like they won't, they won't eat it. The only, the only species silly enough to eat that is people. Like they'll <laughs> gosh, put the pit in the blender and eat it. Like, I don't know. That's, that doesn't seem right to me. That's like sacrilegious to me. But other than that, uh, a lot of citrus will affect their laying. And so you know, you'll often see on the list of things that chickens can't eat, uh, you'll see citrus on there. But what it does is it just it can affect their laying. There was a study done and they found out it can affect their laying. And then off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything else that would be especially dangerous to them. Uh, one thing to remember is that chickens and farming have gone together for a really, really long time. And so there are chickens being raised underneath apple trees. There are chickens being raised underneath orange trees. There are chickens being raised underneath avocado trees. And um, it's pretty natural for them, especially if they have enough space to know what to eat and what not to eat. If you, The more enclosed you have them, the more likely they will eat whatever you give to them indiscriminately. But if they have enough space, then they seem to retain that instinct to know what to eat and what not to eat a little better. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Shelly Fish One asks, can I do several treatments at the same time, like feed herbs and garlics while also using VetRx? I, I would. The only thing that you need to make sure of is that you're not loading up their food and water with so many things that they're not eating and drinking. 
because it's very important for them to get that nutrition and that not, that hydration in when they're sick. So usually I don't load up their water with a whole bunch of things that are that's going to like make it taste different because I'm concerned that they that they won't drink. Uh, the main thing for me is to get vitamins and electrolytes into them. So that's what I'll put in their water. And then um, I'll probably, you know, you could probably get away with minced garlic and a little bit of herbs in their feed. Um, and certainly if you put it in scrambled egg, but keep, keep an eye on them and make sure that they're eating and drinking. Uh, Maine Woods Chick says, what essential oils should I avoid for chicken coop? You know, I can't think of anything like off the top of my head that I would avoid. The interesting thing is that I usually avoid camphor because it's so very strong, but that's like the main ingredient in VidRx. <laughs> so the, the main thing, I would just stick with the gentle ones and not get too complicated with it. I am not an essential oils expert. So I just mainly stick with the main ones that I use, which are lavender, uh, eucalyptus, peppermint, thyme, and tea tree. And those are the ones that I will put uh, a combi you know, any combination of those. And sometimes I'll, you know, if I run out of everything, I only have eucalyptus, then I'll use that. Um, if you only have, if you can only get one, get eucalyptus, because that's a, a really good one for respiratory stuff. But I can't think of anything that's like, oh, you shouldn't use that. I really can't. And the other thing is, there are just not a lot of studies on on uh, how they affect chickens. And uh, so I, I'm sorry, I don't have I don't have a, a, a definitive answer for you on that. Carmen A says, where did it go? How many treats are too many treats? I think I give in too easily and over treat my chickens. And she has an emoji with a face palm. <laughs> um, I've certainly been there. Well, you know, the main thing that you want to do is make sure that the majority of what they're eating is their layer feed and that the treats that you give them are beneficial to them. I am somebody who is a real advocate for sustainable ways of feeding your chickens. And right now I'm in the process of doing a lot of research to try and find a way to mesh, you know, feeding your chickens layer feed and supporting them that way while also feeding them scraps and supporting your family and the earth that way. Because, you know, originally chickens were very sustainable. And as we've kind of moved away from a sustainable model of living, we've, of course, uh, moved away from that with our chickens. And I am someone that believes that you can have, you can absolutely have your chickens as pets. You can love them a hundred percent as much as you love your dogs or cats. And that's how I am. It's okay if you're not like that. I'm, <laughs> I'm a crazy chicken lady and, and that's how I am. But I also believe that you can have a relationship with chickens that also brings you more in tune with nature and um, helps you to treat the earth better and also helps your pocketbook and helps to support your family better. So that's a real passionate of, passion of mine. And I'm like I said, I'm in the process of trying to find a way to kind of move those two worlds of like the permaculture way of caring for chickens and the kind of modern way that we have of caring for chickens now, which includes 
you know, a lot of buying a lot of things and feeding only, you know, bought treats or um, layer feed. But I believe that we can bring those two together. Now, I don't have anything concrete right now, and I don't have any studies that I can give you. But one thing that I will tell you is make sure that the majority of what they're eating is their layer feed. And absolutely, you can supplement with treats. Just make sure that they're healthy. If you're going to do prepackaged treats, I like to stick with like mealworms or grubs. Um, you can do cracked corn and a, a scratch. And then when I, I do give scraps to my chickens and our, our family eats relatively healthy. So they get healthy scraps. They get lots of fruit and vegetable scraps, mostly vegetable, and they get some healthy protein scraps. So I just want you to think about it in a reasonable way. You know, I see a lot of things where it's like, literally people are worried about measuring, you know, like I can only give my chickens this much uh, <laughs> of this treat. And I really am someone who does not want chicken keeping to be complicated for you. It should be a way for you to move away from the complications of life. So what I'm going to tell you is just to be reasonable, to feed them healthy, and to make sure that they're getting their layer feed. Um, of course, their grit and uh, a calcium supplement, either their own crushed uh, eggshells or some oyster shells. And I think you're going to be golden. I think you're going to be golden if you do that. Julia Fontanella, why did most of my chicks die of heart attacks? Um, do you know that that is what happened? Because a lot of chicken illnesses um, will present the same way. And unless you, you know, had a, a, a formal diagnosis from a licensed veterinarian or if you had a necropsy done, um, you know, to find out why your chicks died, it would be really hard to know that that's what happened. Um, I would, I guess, you know, what I would ask is what environment they were in. You know, there's just so many factors to consider. What I do want to say is I am sorry that that happened. That is awful and hard. And, you know, it happens, it, it happens and it happens to the best of us sometimes. And, you know, I would just get as much information as you can and try and try again. And, and hopefully that won't be the case for you again. I'm really sorry that happened. It could possibly just be that it was a bad batch and they were vulnerable to begin with when you brought them home and that's why they died. And that does happen. That really does happen. And I'm so sorry. Rhiannon, I hope I'm saying your name right. Cram, um, do you give them herbs and yeast every day? So um, she, they're asking about the herbs that I was showing earlier and the nutritional yeast. Um, you can give the herbs daily. I, I have done that, but I don't give them nutritional yeast every day. I just do a little sprinkle uh, like once a week for the really mainly for the for the ducks. I you can you can add the herbs and then ferment your feed, but you do not want to ferment the yeast. OK, because um, that will be a a, a party that, <laughs> that that could turn into uh, alcohol. OK, and you don't want that. So um, 
if you are fermenting their feed, you add the nutritional yeast or the brewer's yeast after you're done fermenting it and that went right when you're giving it to them. Lauren Williams, what age do Brahma roosters start fertilizing? Um, it, it depends on the rooster. I would say probably around, I don't know, uh, six months. Uh, they don't really reach sexual maturity until they're like a year old, but they should probably start uh, at least thinking about it at six months. <laughs> I think they, they'll they'll think about it a lot too. They're kind of they're kind of crazy. Uh, Lindsay Bailey has a good question: Which of the large chick order by male breeders is ethical and has a good reputation? That is a tough question because your your definition of what is ethical. You know, it's relative. I have my ideas about it and it's tough. Like the whole, the whole hatchery thing is tough. You know, it's, it really, it really makes me feel conflicted because just the nature of the business, the hatcheries are in a, a tough position because really because of the fact that roosters are in so much less demand than hens. Uh, which is sad. What I would love to see one day is roosters crowing their little hearts out all over the country, in every city, in every suburb, and in every neighborhood. (laughs) Now, of course, I know there needs to be rules so that you're not having like 20 roosters in one house in a small neighborhood. But I do think that we can be better about um, kind of opening that door and making that an acceptable noise again. And that will really, really lessen the burden on the hatcheries um, because now they, they, they have a tough, you know, they have a tough time because um, something has to happen to all those baby roosters that are born. And, and that's hard. So I, while I am glad that, um, you know, this isn't against the hatcheries because I've certainly gotten chicks from hatcheries before, you know, I recognize that they're that they're in a, in a tough uh, position. Um, I, I like my pet chicken is probably my favorite one. Uh, Meyer is a good one. And that's pretty much what I that's I think I would say those are my two favorites and they have they have good reputation as far as like customer service and all that goes so yeah but do your research and you might you might be able to find some local breeders that can give you some great little baby chicks and have it be less stressful for the chicks and less stressful for you it's great to find somebody local that you can get your baby chicks from I think that's probably the best option uh, Rebecca Miller asked the question, best way to introduce a rooster. So depending on the, the, depending on your existing flock and depending on the size of your rooster, sometimes you can, of course, you want to uh, quarantine your rooster for at least two weeks. If you're able to do that, that's really um, just an extra bit of insurance. It's not foolproof, but an extra bit of something that you can do to hopefully not bring, not introduce new uh, disease into your flock. So after you do that, you can sometimes with a rooster, just integrate them right in because it's a rooster. And other times that doesn't work. And certainly if you have a flock of, if you have a mixed flock of standard and bantams, or if you have all standard hens 
and a little itty bitty bantam rooster, you wouldn't want to do that. You would want to follow an integration process uh, to make sure that he integrates into the flock well without too much issue. So what I would suggest to you would be to put your little rooster in an area where he is separate but seeing. And what I mean by that is that there is a partition. They can see through it, but they can't get to each other. So they can't fight and they can't draw blood on each other. And it gives them a chance to just kind of introduce themselves to each other and kind of work out a little bit of the pecking order. And then after a while of doing this, I usually say it, it, it really depends on the uh, on the circumstances, on what kind of chickens you're integrating together. But I would say at least a week of doing this. And then you can put them together at night. So you can put him at, on the roost at night and then make sure that you get there, get out there first thing in the morning to let them out so you can observe how they're all doing together. And if they're not hurting each other, if they're not drawing blood on each other, if there's not like severe bullying, then I would let them work it out. And if it's a rooster, usually it's a little bit easier than adding hens to an existing flock. And then I also mentioned earlier, I do have a video about integrating chickens and I will leave that in the description and in the show notes. So I hope that helps. 13 Moons Homestead asks, how long does it take to regrow feathers after molting? So it can take a month or two for them to go through that molt. And it's it's tough. It is tough. <laughs> That's a tough time for chickens. You know, they look pretty scraggly. I even have some that are still, you know, kind of at the tail end of their molt right now. And uh, it's it's a tough time. So if you can give them a little bit of extra nutrition, a couple of weeks of vitamins, uh, electrolytes and probiotics in their water, not the whole time, but a couple of weeks of it, and a little bit of extra protein, not a ton. Don't go crazy with the protein because people tend to do that. Uh, but that will help them to get through it because growing uh, feathers is hard work. <laughs> Pamela Benet asks, my divas haven't laid eggs for two months. Molting over now, is it normal to go that long? Uh, the answer is yes. Likely what happened is they went, they started to go through their molt. They finished their molt and now we're into a season of shorter days. And during that season, the eggs are going to be very far and few between. For example, I get like an egg a day right now and I have 19 chickens. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it is definitely not prime egg laying season right now but soon when the days get longer you will be lush with eggs so just hold out you know hang in there hang in there kiss my grass acres ass my girls love spinach how much is too much to give them it's leaf spinach you know i i wouldn't worry too much about spinach um especially you know it's it's good for them um what I would, you know, the way that I like to think of it is I think of things more of like a, a chicken feed pyramid. Um, and I don't like to give like percentages and measurements because I really think that what that does is serve to complicate things. But if you can think about it 
like we do our own nutrition where we we kind of have an innate knowledge that we need to have a balanced nutrition. So you keep most of what they eat is their chicken feed. And then I'm a big believer in kitchen scraps. I am a big believer in it. Um, So that would be above the chicken feed. And you're going to concentrate mostly on leafy greens and vegetables um, in that in that department and are like low sugar fruits, but mostly like leafy greens, kale, chard, uh, bok choy, stuff like that. And spinach is good. I just wouldn't, you know, I, I think that uh, how much is too much if they are having the majority of their feed as spinach, then I don't think that would be, you know, that's not very balanced. So just to keep that balance there, make sure that they're getting most of their nutrition from their chicken feed. And then at the very top of the pyramid, sorry, my dogs are barking. I don't know if you can hear that. At the very top of the pyramid, I have healthy chicken treats and those change with the seasons, mealworms, grubs, uh, scrambled eggs, stuff like that. I hope I answered your question. It wasn't really, that wasn't really a very <laughs> good answer. I just think you need to keep it balanced, but I am not going to say that spinach is bad for them. I know some people do say that. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that that's true. Uh, Jennifer, uh, Kirstein, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I had two chickens that were sick. I believe it was respiratory about four weeks ago. They're recovered. Wow. Good for you. But they still aren't laying. Anything I can do to help them along? <laughs> can you guys hear that? <laughs> I would give them some time because they have certainly been through uh, a rough a rough patch. Uh, probably since they have been sick, you're giving them a little bit of extra nutrition. They probably had some vitamins, electrolytes, probiotics, uh, maybe some scrambled egg with a little bit of minced garlic in there, um, apple cider vinegar in their water if you have that. Um, And I think it might be, you know, it could be that they were sick and that's why they're not laying or, and it could be a combination of that and also that they have, that we're just in the season that we're in. We're not in laying season right now. So it might be that when the days get longer, you're going to see more eggs, unless you're supplementing light. If you're supplementing light and not seeing a lot of eggs, then it's probably probably because they've been sick. There is a product that I like. It is called Rescue Remedy. It is by a company called Bach Flower Remedies. And this is a homeopathic flower remedy, and it just helps them get through stressful times now, I can't guarantee that they're just going to start laying like crazy when you give it to them, but it certainly would be good for them to have that to just kind of adjust and get back to their regular lives and um, just kind of get back into the swing of things. So that's probably what I would do uh, to help them to not stress out so much. Uh, Reagan F or Regan F asks, should I put a silky in my new batch of hens? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I like to say it's not really a flock unless you have a silky, <laughs> which is funny because I don't have a silky right now. So technically, I don't even have a flock. <laughs> um, you know, uh, what I would do is not put a single, I wouldn't integrate a single silky in with a an existing flock because I think that would be really hard on the on the little silky. 
um, if you can, I would get a couple of them and see if, if, uh, if you can integrate them together, cause that would be easier for them. So I am all for silkies, but, uh, I think that adding more than one would be a good idea. So Terry Ivan asks, I, hi, I have 10 chickens that started laying about a month ago. And now they are pecking at one or two of them. And then it gets worse. What do I do? Um, so I have a couple of questions about that. Number one is, are you witnessing the pecking? Or are you just seeing them without feathers? Because sometimes people, you know, chickens, are they have feathers missing for whatever reason. Could be rooster damage, could be molting could be mites or lice, but they assume pecking because they're seeing missing feathers. So that's my first question to you is, have you witnessed it? And if you have witnessed it, is it all of the chickens pecking at these two? Or is it one or two chickens that are kind of leading the, the pack in that arena? And if that's the case, I would remove the two chickens that are the culprits or the, the one chicken that is the main culprit. And, um, you know, just remove remove them from the flock for a week or two and then reintegrate them back in. And sometimes what that can do is it disrupts the pecking order enough to kind of bring that chicken down a notch and they stop with that unwanted behavior. Another thing I want you to do is I want you to make sure they're getting the right nutrition. So make sure they're getting their chicken feed, they're getting enough protein, and uh, they have enough enrichment in their space and that they have enough space. Because chickens that are bored, they can turn on each other. So that's another thing that you don't want. And then the other thing I want you to do is make sure that the chickens that are getting pecked at are not sick in some way. So you would check them for mites and lice. Um, and usually when you look like right behind their, their neck and you pull up the feathers, you can see them crawling around and look underneath the, underneath the wings and around the vent. And sometimes even if you don't see the little critters, you'll see the eggs. It looks like a lot of like uh, almost like dirt kind of stuck to the feather shaft and you'll see like clumps of that on at the base of their feathers. And that is an indication that they have um, mites. So do that first. And then if if you're not, if that's, you know, if you've ruled everything out and you need to remove the, the bully chickens from the flock, I do have a video that is like how to reform a bully chicken I think that's what it's called. And I'll put that in the description and, and in the show notes for you. It's frustrating. I'm so sorry that, that that's happening. Oh, you said that there's no blood being drawn. And that's a good sign. That's actually a good sign. Um, and then the other thing that you want to remember is that there is always going to be somebody at the top of the pecking order. And there's always going to be somebody at the bottom. And Sometimes like what we see and when we're, we're seeing it through a human lens, it's like, oh, you know, this one chicken is always by itself um, or this one chicken always has to eat last because they, they won't let them they won't let it eat until they're done eating. And so that that feels bad for us to see that. But that's also that is chicken nature. 
And I guarantee you that that chicken it wants to be with its flock. Like it would not want to be alone or separated from its flock. So just take comfort in that, that that's, that is part of the nature and try, try not to, um, you know, try to, try to look at it through a chicken's eyes. <laughs> Imagine yourself become the chicken. All right, I am going to do one more question. We've got one from Real Rose Studios. I'm thinking about getting Orpingtons. Hmm. They would go in a mixed flock. Is this a good idea? I choose them for their docile nature. I think that's a great idea. Um, Orpingtons are wonderful chickens. Uh, they are, they are docile. They're relatively quiet depending on what, you know, they all have their personalities. So sometimes you might get one that likes to sing the song of its people, <laughs> but I think that's a great idea. I think they're a great addition to any flock. They are very cold hardy chickens and they're going to lay lots of great eggs for you. So, and then nice big eggs. So I think, um, I am, I, my vote, my vote is yes. I, I vote a thumbs up on that choice. Thank you so much for listening today. And thank you so much to my co-producer, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate and review it. But the main thing I want you to remember is that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.